Okay, so talked a little bit about Buddha's enlightenment because it's the week that we commemorate the Buddha's awakening. And he pretty much woke up to two things I kind of alluded to before. One is all pain and suffering and dissatisfaction and even sort of existential unease is caused by believing that you are a separate entity. It's caused by clinging to yourself as a separate entity, I guess I should say. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, extremely related, is that such a separate entity does not actually exist. So when he finally understood that, the clinging stopped for him. And then so did the suffering. So the story goes. And so I want to talk about that in terms of kind of what I talked about last week too. So I I asked the folks who were here to try on gratitude practice and to try it on for just 30 minutes a day as just a blanket policy for everything. Can everything that arises in consciousness be met with gratitude and even be sort of spun in the direction of positivity? So if there, I said this before, if there's pain, be grateful that you have a functioning nervous system. If, if your meditation's really not going well, be grateful you have such an entertaining mind. If, you know, you can really find positivity in everything. And what I'm coming to learn is that reality is a belief. So it's not that there is a reality out there that you know things about. It's there is a story, there is a belief in consciousness that is believed to be reality. And it can kind of be whatever you want it to be. And it can be guided. And so I don't think, so let's, I mean, let's put the cards on the table here. Whatever happened to the Buddha 2,500 years ago is still being talked about 2,500 years later. And I sincerely doubt anything will happen to any of us that people will still be talking about 2,500 years from now. So it's easy to think that whatever happened to him is this cosmic thing, this sort of incredible thing that will change everything and finally give you that sense of of completeness or yeah that's some sense of completeness or perfection that you can carry all the time that's not going to happen but what i've learned is that you can actually work with consciousness such that your belief system changes so fundamentally that it completely alters your reality. And it alters your reality in the direction that the Buddha found himself going in. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was also kind of his experience as well. 
So as you're meditating or as you're just going through life as a being thinking thoughts, this practice of noticing thoughts arising in consciousness can be a really amazing thing when you really get into it because if you can actually find that sort of nanosecond where the thought just arises in awareness before there's any story about it before it's taken on any sort of concrete function as a reality unto itself you can find you can actually experience your complete inability to ex- to understand or explain where it came from this awareness that we're all carrying or that we all sort of circumscribe and call myself we have no idea where that came from or what is sustaining it and i personally feel that the my coming to realize that only came about by just watching all the thoughts arise and pass and arise and pass and having absolutely no way to explain where they came from or where they go when they're gone. Sometimes you can really think, oh, well, that's my thought of, that's this memory I have of the past. And of course I know where that came from. It happened to me. But if you actually experience the awareness as this vast, completely uncircumscribable thing that actually has arbitrary and artificial boundaries, then you can actually see that the thoughts happening within it and everything coming, everything seeming to come in and seeming to pass through, we have absolutely no idea how it's coming and going. And so what the experience of the self is, is a kind of, is an experience of circumscribing this unknown experience into something that can be comprehended. But the only way it can be comprehended is by artificially cutting it off from everything else and believing it's a separate entity, which unfortunately, because it's cut off, also brings along with it by necessity a sense of incompleteness and a sense of needing to be completed and when the Buddha understood that that was a completely artificial construct he understood that the completeness had been there all along and it was actually the incompleteness that just needed to be seen through or let go of however you want to refer to it. The way, and as one, this great teacher, I don't know if any of you have heard of him, his name is Eric Shipman. He's actually a yoga teacher in Los Angeles. And he said, if I was a wave, and I looked around and saw all these potentially hostile waves crashing around me, I'd be really scared until I remembered that we're all just the ocean moving in different ways. 
And in Buddhism, it's very important to not get confused about the ocean because the ocean is not, again, as I said, the ocean's also not a real person. It's not something you need to find. The wave is you. The ocean is the ground of your being, the function of your being, the way everything works together. So, but it's not like you can have an ocean without waves. We can think of, oh yeah, the wave, that's just a function of the entire ocean bending in a certain way. But, it, but you, know, you think the ocean's like a real thing that that's happening to. So that's where the analogy does break down. In Buddhism, the very, very important move that Buddha made that was kind of different than any other tradition around him was to say, even that ocean is not a real thing. It is dependent on, well, really, the, the, it's only known by its functioning through these waves, and the waves are only known by the bending of the ocean. And so because you can't know one without the other, you actually can't know any of it. And so really what Zen is, it's about just letting go of all of those stories and just being your waveness, I should say. So it's about actually letting go of trying to swallow the whole ocean and just being so completely your waveness and just being so completely yourself, actually choosing to be yourself so completely that the functioning of the whole becomes clear through you as a part. And I've said this before, the kind of irony there, or maybe it's, I don't know, in my, yeah, in my mind, I don't like it. I don't like it. But the irony is that the way, the way wisdom functions through me is through ignorance. I actually know wisdom only because of how ignorant I am. Or I, only by knowing my sense of separation do I understand that there must be a whole. I can never get to the whole because my separateness is essential for the whole to function as a complete infinite reality. I hope that makes sense. I don't know if there are any uh, mathematicians in the audience. Um, does anybody know Russell's paradox? I don't. Um, <laughs> but it's either the set that contains all sets cannot contain itself, something like that, or the set that contains all sets cannot contain the set that doesn't contain itself, something like that. Um, so it's very much, that really actually kind of informs my entire reality that my experience as a separate self is required for the oneness and the perfect unity of all of reality. So I get to continue carrying on this sort of existential discomfort, actually, at the core of my being, or what I call uh, looking for a smoking gun. I think the human mind is always looking for the smoking gun. We're looking for the answer that explains everything. We're always doing that. It's just a function of our being, this curiosity. And... And I talked about it last week, or I didn't, I quoted Suzuki Roshi last week, 
saying that search for meaning has to be the meaning you find in your life. And when you figure that out, you have, uh, I forget what he actually said, but let's, let's just go back to it because it was too good. If, yeah, so once you know this, you will have found the true treasure of life. And I, and, and what he talked about was not getting meaning, but finding meaning in the search for meaning. And that is the true treasure of life. And in my experience of the Zen tradition and what the 13th century Japanese philosopher Dogen Zenji that founded this school of Zen, I think his core teaching is exactly that. That this experience of being you actually is how all of reality fulfills itself. And even your experience of not being fulfilled is how all of reality fulfills itself. And every single moment, you actually can live in that awareness. That awareness that just being you is the justification for being you. And, of course, always be kinder and you know, gentle and generous, and then there's a whole lot of teachings about how to act. But I actually think if you are in that awareness, a kind of kindness and gentleness and generosity will just naturally unfold if it's true. And in fact, when it doesn't, that's actually a very good sign that you've lost the thread and you're trying to get something. And I just heard something from a teacher in a different tradition that I really loved, and so I'll share it with you, and I think it really has a lot to do with this. Being immersed in reality the way you experience it, it's very tough. It, that's the thing, it's, it's so in Zen, actually, so I'll, I'll start with this tradition. In Zen, we talk about it, there's a famous line, it's like swallowing a red-hot iron ball that you can, that's, that's the perfect size that you can neither swallow it nor spit it out, and it just burns. So this is what I call this sort of, our inability to find the smoking gun, to find the answer, and to actually burn thoroughly in that way is the Zen tradition obnoxious and frustrating though that may be <laughs> um, and this other teacher in this other tradition said this beautiful thing he said whenever you put your see the way people think of the Buddha is sort of like he just moved through the world without ever experiencing any sort of difficulty or confusion as if you know anything that would lead to 
pain or suffering was just like putting your hand in a fire and then you immediately know um, to take your hand out of the fire. The problem with that is, is that our mind is already in the fire. Your hand is not in a fire. So when it experiences fire, it knows exactly how to get out. Since your mind is already in the fire of the sort of uh, dissatisfaction or potential for recognizing imperfection, since it's already in that, there's no way to get out. There's no, uh, it's, it's a wisdom beyond our thinking mind that is outside of that fire, so to speak. So it's not about finding a different reality. It's actually more about, and you've all heard this before, thoroughly being this one until you understand and even have faith in the functioning of this one and faith in the sense of what I said, where a belief actually becomes your reality. I think that's all I have to say tonight. Um, Suzuki Roshi will have to wait until next time. <laughs>